Welcome back, everyone, to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Socks. I am Nate. We're here with Jimbo. We're back a second time this week, if you can believe that. Double the fun. Double the fun. Double the fun. Let's go. We're ready to talk about some baseball, aren't we, Jimbo? Dude, you text me like an hour ago. You're like, hey, what time do you want to record today? And I was like, didn't we just record? And I forgot we were doing two. So I am amped. I have nothing planned to talk about. So it's going to be straight from the heart. I like it. And since we talked about so many young guys last time in the Futures game, we're going to have some fun about today and just talk about subjects that we really, really enjoy. And uh, I've got two subjects specifically that I would like to talk about today. Uh, Number one or number two, depending on which one we start with. One of them is Juan Soto. And one of them is the 2022 Baltimore Orioles and 2022 Seattle Mariners, um, both on 10-game win streaks here. So what should we start with? I think we should start with the Mariners and the, and the Orioles. Let's do it. All right. So if you've been paying attention to baseball, you'll notice that the AL East is one of one division that has all their teams above 500 right now. The Orioles having won 10 games in a row, put them at 45 and 44. Now they are the basement dwellers of the AL East, but you know, at, at 17 and a half games behind the Yankees, which stinks, but they are above 500. And not only that, they are only two games back of a wild card spot. Pretty nice. Pretty, pretty nice for the Orioles. Now what's crazy is, How they got there is not exactly what you'd expect. Their best pitcher from an ERA standpoint has thrown 79 innings of 3.28 ERA ball in Tyler Wells. And his fielding independent pitching is 4.20. Like, they're pitching not a high strikeout staff. Not a single one of their guys has more strikeouts than innings pitched. Um, And they've had... Six guys that have started games this year. Um, well, seven. Brian Baker has started a few. But uh, they've got six guys that have started the majority of their games this year. They ha- don't have spectacular ERAs. Only two guys south of four. One of them is at 3.93 in Spencer Watkins. And also their offense. Their offense also isn't like spectacular. They've got... Five guys that are north of 100 OPS. One of those guys is at 105. So they've got Ryan Mountcastle at 121, Austin Hayes at 117, Cedric Mullins at 105, Anthony Santander at 113, and Trey Mancini at 121. Nice. A good amount of guys, but nothing too spectacular. Adley Rushman, it should be noted, is at 99. Um, basically, league average hitter. Um, but... A decent offense. You know, you get enough guys that are above 100 and you get a couple guys that are around 100. You're going to be running out a decent offense, but nothing like to write home about, right? And you have a pitching staff, a starting pitching staff that's like nothing to write home about. So then you ask yourself, how are they winning games? Jimbo, you know how they're winning games? Man, they're just piecing them together, dude. They are piecing them together, but they're also not losing the games they should win when they get to the bullpen. So their bullpen, Jorge Lopez, Jorge Lopez, former Brewer, a closer now, 
42 innings, 1-7-0 ERA. Dylan Tate, former number three overall pick by the Rangers, who then got traded to the Yankees. 42 innings, 2.55 ERA. Jeez. Felix Bautista, 35 innings, 1-7-7 ERA. Cianel, Cianel, Perez, 30 innings, 0.90 ERA. Keegan Aiken, 50 innings, 2.31 ERA. Jory Krebil, 31 innings, 2.27 ERA. Austin Voth, 21 innings, 3.8 ERA. And the only guy above a three ERA that has pitched a uh, over 20 innings in their bullpen is Brian Baker, 4.38 ERA, and he's even made a couple starts in there. Um, so, like, if that's the last guy in your bullpen, you know, you've got a one. We named off eight guys there. You've got one guy that's eaten up some innings with a 4.38 ERA, and everyone else has uh, either 3.8 and Austin Voth or under three under two or under one, you are winning the games you are supposed to win. And that's why a bullpen is so important. Nobody, it's not sexy. It's not sexy. And, and Jimbo knows this as a Tigers fan um, because they've dealt with having terrible bullpens for years. It's not a sexy way to win, but it is a way to win is sometimes your starting pitcher just does enough through five innings your offense does enough through five innings to get you a 2-1 or 3-1 lead or a 3-2 lead. And then your bullpen, if you have enough good arms out there, can close you down plenty of wins. The Brewers know this with Devin Williams and Josh Hader, even though Josh Hader gave up a walk-off home run yesterday. Uh, they both have under one ER or under two ERAs, eighth and ninth inning guys. Like if they don't have those two guys and we replace them with three ERA guys. We might be tied with the Cardinals right now or below the Cardinals in the standings. Um, so really big shout out. The Baltimore Orioles have done an amazing job at building their bullpen, and it really helps if you can limit your starters that aren't very good to five innings, four innings, five innings, and then be able to throw a good bullpen out there, you can win some games, especially with a, a decently average offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, having, dude, having p- good pitching is is so key. Um, especially a good bullpen because you're, you're shortening the game. Like when you got a guy that, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, he'll, he'll eat an inning for you when you need it. Like you're shortening it, you know, to eight innings, to seven innings, to six innings. That's huge. Uh, especially the mentality of like, if, if you're also, if you're the opposing team and you're going into it, knowing that they have a stacked bullpen, you're like, okay, we have to get hits right off the rip because as soon as they get in the bullpen, you know, our chances are, are pretty low. So then they start to press first face their starters. And then that actually helps the starters out as well. Um, so yeah, pitching is a huge, you know, you know what they always say is like, if you have, would you rather take the all-star pitcher vase, the all-star, would you rather take the all-star pitcher vase, the all-star hitter? Always take the pitcher. Pitcher always has the advantage. They're the house. Oh yeah. Real quick shout out to Jorge Lopez. Drafted by the Brewers, second round. Traded with Brett Phillips to the Royals for Mike Moustakis. Good deal there, um, considering what happened to Brett Phillips and Jorge Lopez. Selected off of waivers August 9th, 2020 by the Orioles. 
Here are his career ERAs. 4.50 as in 24, 5.03, 6.33, 6.69, The first year he's fully been, no starts, fully been a reliever. And he's unlocked himself. And like, that's just the type of move that, you know, if you want to be a good team, you got to find diamonds in the rough. Jorge Lopez claimed off of waivers after terrible statistics. They figured something out. They turned him into a full-time reliever. And uh, he's doing well. And then next, I want to cover the Seattle Mariners because they're interesting. Um, they're a little bit different. One thing, one thing yeah. about the Orioles that I find even more interesting is the the way that they're doing it right now. They're playing well, which is great. But the amount of talent that they have in their minor leagues is ex is extremely impressive as well, considering they haven't really used a lot of it yet. You know, they called Adley. Um, but they got something – I was looking at this a few days ago. They got something brewing really well in the minor leagues where they might actually be that kind of team where now when they're drafting players or when they're signing, you know, international free agents, like we might have to take a uh, like a double look at it because they have been doing so well within the draft and doing that and building their farm system where they might they might have found that, that magical process of finding these kids now, which – I feel like wasn't wasn't always the uh, wasn't always the case because I'm just looking at their you know their top thirty that they have you know they haven't called up Grayson Rodriguez they have Gunnar Henderson Gunnar Henderson who could be you know a star for them Colton mm -hmm. Kowser, you know could be an all star kid one day you have DL Hall great arm a Jordan Westberg you know probably your league average type guy probably good defense you know a plug and play type uh, type kid. You have a young Kobe Mayo that, you know, who knows what he'll uh, develop into, but he has some serious power. Kyle Stowers, uh, you know, he could be an outfield plug plug and play. Heston Kirstead, he just came back. Uh, he was, what, the second overall pick? He uh, was. 2020. He's finally playing. Finally playing and actually crushing the ball. Obviously, super low in, 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 the, in the minor leagues uh, in single A. I think he just got called up to – to high a but who knows what he could develop into um and then the list just goes on and on with like pretty some pretty like okay like some you know some names that could develop into everyday players and i think that's what the orioles are most excited about and i wanted to bring this factor up too when you when you get such a loaded uh, uh pipeline of prospects your 40 man starts to uh, fill up because you have so many players you have to protect on your 40 man. So I would be really interested to see if Orioles are buyers this year and for the trade deadline, but buyers and specific players where they're going to buy someone that has, you know, three years of, yeah. um, of, of control, but maybe trade, you know, some, some prospects, you know, multiple prospects that they have just to clear some 40 man roster and, and basically trade up and in, into a condensed, you know, better player. So I, I like where you're going with that because there's some interesting things here. Like Trey Mancini, I believe it's Trey Mancini is a free agent at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, So what if they trade Trey, Trey Mancini and some prospects to get a first base slash DH that is available years to come? Uh, that could clear some space because you said it. 
so they're of their top 10 prospects on MLB pipeline. Only one of them is below double a Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, DL Hall, Jordan Westberg, and Kyle Stowers or Stowers are all in triple a. And then Kobe Mayo, Colton Kowser, Connor Norby, and Cesar Prito all in double a. And then you have Heston who's just got called up to high A and that was injuries and COVID and such that limited him these last couple of years. Um, definitely probably too many guys, too many guys to be given spots, especially with current, their current roster. I mean, they've got a couple decent names out there that aren't going to get replaced. You know, you still want to give Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes at bats. Um, you kind of probably want to see what you got in Ramon Urias still, uh, at least a little bit, maybe not a ton, but give him, give him a little, a little bit of time. You got Ryan Mountcastle still, right? Mm-hmm. He's not going anywhere, so you want to give him time. Adley Rushman. So all of a sudden, you've got at least one, two, um, three, four, and potentially five guys that are still going to have spots on this team. You know, so you can't just call up everyone AAA, AA within the next two years. You're going to have to trade some away, and that is okay because – you can get you can get that like star that Manny you know how they used to have Manny Machado well you can get that Manny Machado type player back that linchpin of an organization um and always have that guy going forward and i to that extent i do think and i've said it before and i'm going to say it again i could see a team like the Orioles spending money on an Otani you know i could see a team like the Orioles spending money on an Aaron Judge like one of those teams you're not expecting to spend huge money, even though they've spent huge money before on guys like Chris Davis. Uh, I could see them with such a young team, with such an inexpensive team, and with a team that saved money for years, breaking the bank on one of these cornerstone players that they can put in their lineup for a long time. Um, if it were me, obviously I'd go Otani over Judge. Uh, we'll see what the price is, but don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if it, if the Orioles come out of one of these years, the winner of one of these major, major free agents. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, I think, you know, I love looking at stuff like this, like projecting stuff like that. To me, it's a lot of fun um, seeing the, the whole overview and the process of building, rebuilding a team like this. Because the Orioles, man, they've been bad for so long. I mean, they got the first overall pick coming up in the, or in the draft this year. Mm-hmm. And – but here's another thing. I think the Pittsburgh Pirates are really interesting because they have the same makeup. And I think the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be what the Orioles are doing this year, but the Pirates are going to do it next year. And I think they're one year behind the Orioles in the process. Expect wrong. You don't you don't think so? I don't think so because I'm a Brewers fan. So oh. Pirates, Pirates can stay bad for all I care. Dude, they they have a sneaky pipeline of talent. Nope. But. Nope. All trash. Convinced of <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. The Pirates are—they do have a ton of talent in their in their system, and, and they have some guys on the major league team. And they are going to increase that system because they are going to trade Brian Reynolds away within one of these next two years. And Brian Reynolds is one of the best players in baseball that literally no one talks about. Yeah. And they should because he is amazing, and he will your team. If you don't know who Brian Reynolds is, your favorite team may trade for him. And they may trade some of your favorite prospects, and you'll be flabbergasted. And then you'll see him play, and you'll be like, 
yeah, that dude's good. So, but let's move on from the Orioles real quick to the yep. Mariners. And uh, the Mariners do it in a different way. And the way they win is via the offense and the starting pitching. Um, so the their their bullpen has some good pieces, and it don't get me wrong. You know, Paul Seawold's been been good this year, um, but but their offense and their pitching. So Cal Raleigh, young catching prospect, just got called up. Rookies in this past twenty twenty two top series one. 109 OPS plus. Ty France, all-star snub, potentially 140 OPS plus. JP Crawford, 112. Eugenio Suarez, 125. Jesse Winker, 103, which is actually a disappointment. Um, Taylor Trammell in limited time. Yeah? Did you say something? I did not. Uh, Might have just been reverb through my mic then. My bad. Uh Taylor Trammell, 124 in limited time. And then, obviously, Julio Rodriguez, 132, the all-star at the age of 21, the rookie all-star, the home run derby participant at the age of 21, and not only the home run derby participant, but Albert Pujols is also participating in the home run derby, and Pujols made his major league debut 90 days after Julio Rodriguez was born. Bonkers. Yeah. yeah um, this, this Mariner team, it, it's a fun one. And they got it this. Is. I want to bring up this one kid because he's got absolutely nasty stuff. Is Matt Brash, a young pitcher. He, he was called up beginning of the year, got sent down. I think he just got called up again. Um, I think he's in their bullpen, but he, he'll probably be a starter for them in, in the future. But this kid's got nasty stuff. You would like him a lot with with uh, if you watch him. Matt Brash, current yeah. current top hundred prospect. He's gonna he's gonna lose that at some point, but current top hundred prospect nonetheless. Uh, but we will get to the pitchers. Jimbo's jumping the gun here a little bit. Um, a friendly reminder that not only do they have all of those guys with high OPSs, but they also in their in their uh, on their bench they've got Dylan Moore, sixty three games, hundred sixty plate appearances, one fourteen OPS. They just picked up Carlos Santana, who's been hit playing well for them. And they also have, unless people forget, Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Lewis, both on the IL, both injured. But if they ever come back, those are two really good bats that they can plug and play. Um, and you can kind of, you know, Abraham Toro doesn't need to be your quote-unquote DH on the baseball reference page. Like, you can put in one of those guys. Your offense gets significantly better. About the only spot that is bad once those two guys are back is second base with Adam Frazier. And, uh, you know, they could upgrade that at the trade deadline. But moving on to the pitching, because, uh, you know, Jimbo loves his pitching. I love my pitching. Sorry. <laughs> I've just given you, I've given you a hard time for jumping the gun. That's okay, though. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert. Chris Flexen, Marco Gonzalez, and George Kirby, their top five starters from the year, all have under four ERAs. In the uh, in the world of though Marco Gonzalez, one thing should be pointed out: um, his does it show his fielding independent pitching here? So Marco Gonzalez is 
3.24 ERA, but a 5.15 fielding independent pitching. Um, which just goes to show you that he uh, he does routinely outperform his fielding independent pitching, but he is probably getting very, very lucky. And there is some regression coming his way, at least specifically him. But they've done it with offense. They've done it with starting pitching. Um, and they've kind of done it the opposite way of the Orioles, which just goes to show you there's multitude of ways you can make a good team in the MLB. It doesn't always have to be. I mean, the Brewers have a – last time I checked, they are a 102 WRC plus team, about as league average of an offense as you can possibly get. They've dealt with injuries with, to their starting pitchers. Brian Woodruff is out for a while. Freddie Peralta is almost going to be out the entire year. Uh, Adrian House has been out. And yet they have a good bullpen and they have enough starting pitching where they win those games and just enough offense where they can win more games than they lose, wait, even wait. though nothing spectacular right now. Wait, sorry. I was zoning out because I was looking at Robbie Ray's uh, when he got traded to the Tigers. But did you just somehow loop in the Brewers? How did, how did, did. that How did that work? I want to. I missed it. I said there's multitude of ways for you to be able to create a team. Obviously, the Orioles are a decent offense and a great bullpen, not a great starting staff. The Mariners are a great offense, a pretty stinking good starting staff, and a very not very good bullpen. The Brewers are a good bullpen, a somewhat injured, okay pitching staff. Like The starters that are healthy are good, but we've had a lot of lost time to starters. And, a, and as average of an offense as you can get, they were a 102. They were the they were the worst above average offense in the league at 102 WRC plus. Um, and it's just like those are three teams winning records that are all winning in different ways. And that's what I love about that's what I love about baseball is you can win you can win in a myriad of ways, and it doesn't need to be. I'm going to spend all of my money on every good player I can get. You know, you can win yeah. different ways. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but you know me, I like to loop in my brewers. <laughs> you know how else you can win? By firing Alex Avila because he stinks as a GM and you should get an actual good GM in there that's hey. actually good at his job. I like Al. Al. His name's Al. Alex is the same. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right, the catcher. Uh, you might like Alavila, but his good picks were picks that anybody could have made. What has he done since? His, like, biggest claim to fame is signing Javi Baez and, and getting Alex Bado- uh, uh, um, uh Why can't I think of his last name? Bado? 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 Uh, as a rule five pick, and he's in AAA right now. So, who? Wait, say that again. He's uh, not Alex. Uh, Akil. Thank you. Oh, Akil. Yeah. Well, he just got called up. But Al Avila is really good at finding the hidden gems. So back when Dave Dabrowski, Al was the one that found like JD Martinez was the one that would always find like that random, you know, great player. So I think I don't know. I don't know what the 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 structure system in Detroit is. But I think it's more of he needs to reconstruct uh, like the farm system director or scouts or whoever it is that he brought in because I don't really think it's him. I think it's usually a lot deeper. 
Well, all, all I know is if you're the GM of the team, you get the blame. And uh, right now he's getting the blame because, like, you yeah. just can't you can't claim Riley Green as a win if you have the fifth pick, you know? You gotta you you gotta find those guys in the eighth round. You gotta find those guys in the tenth round. Tarek Screwball is a nice one, yeah. but Keith. what? Colt Keith. I've been Colt. researching that. That kid could be. He he's my next Riley Green. Yeah, but, well, let's players. let's wait for him to get called up because uh, right now all the guys that could, I'm I am I am I am upset with Alavila and the way this Tigers rebuild has gone. Well, going back to the Tigers, but going or going back to the Mariners, but still on the Tigers subject. Robbie Ray was in spring training for uh, I was in spring training with him in 2014 with the Tigers because he got traded in 2013 to the Tigers. So I was only there with him for a few weeks. Cool dude. And then my dude uh, Suarez. Fun story about him. We used to do story time on here. His dad uh, was awesome. And this was before Suarez was even known because he was on the Tigers. He was like a really low prospect, you know, wasn't supposed to be really that well known, but he kind of, he broke out after we traded him to the, the Reds for Alfredo Simon, which is a whole different story. But his dad would always, all he would come up to me and say, compadre, compadre. And he would like come running to me like compadre, compadre. And he would just like walk around with me. And it was so much fun. I'm yeah. So that's just my, if you ever see uh if you go to the Mariners game, you see Suarez tell him that Jimbo says hi to his dad, to his dad, and then say compadre, and he'll probably start laughing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think we might be behind the uh, first base or third base or first base dugout if I end up getting back going to that game. So uh, if I can yell to him, I will. All right, cool. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on. Accidentally spent 26 minutes on the Orioles and the Mariners. Didn't mean to. And Brewers, and the Brewers, and the Tigers. Uh, let's let's move on to what I'm really riled up about. And I told Jimbo, I told Jimbo I would be a respectful, quiet, angry about this. A rage riles me up, guys. It riles me up. So allow me to get a little riled up here when we talk about Juan Soto, because I saw. So many people, and not necessarily you dinging corners listeners. It's a lot of people that probably didn't know a ton about baseball. I saw so many people talking crap about Juan Soto being like, oh, Juan Soto can't hit. Juan Soto this. Juan Soto that. Juan Soto's washed. Juan Soto shouldn't be worth the money. Juan Soto you know, got to sell because he can't hit and he's not going to hit on the nationals and he's just taking walks and, and this and that. And, um, all these tweets about, will Juan Soto get above an 850 OPS this year? Will Juan Soto hit above 220 this year? I don't think so. Riles me up because people don't look at splits. They don't pay attention to the career thing. And so the entire time I was just like, look, here are his career splits. First half, second half. First half, he was like an 880-something guy. Second half, he was a 1,000-plus guy for OPS. Just give him some time. He'll figure it out. Well, well, well. Juan Soto is currently on a 15-game hit streak. He's on a 22-game on-base streak. He's been on base 22 straight games. And not only that, 
but he's raised his OPS to 892. His on-base percentage is over 400. His slugging is almost 500. And he is chilling at an 892 OPS. He's had four home runs four straight games. All And he has 22 more walks than he has strikeouts on the year. All those people that were complaining about Juan Soto, would you look at it now? He's only 12 points. His OPS is only 12 points under his career first half numbers. 12 points. Whereas it used to be like 60, 70 points, it is now 12. We are coming up on the All-Star break here this weekend, going into next Monday, Tuesday, right? Sunday, Monday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, And uh, would you look at it? Juan Soto has magically hit his, basically hit, 12 points is not a ton, basically hit his career averages for OPS in the first half in the first half and he still has a few games to go up from there and so i say to all of you if you are listening to ding corners and you freaked out this is for you and if you haven't but you have friends clip this send it to them because this is what i say to you do your due diligence when a guy is struggling see if there's some backstory for juan soto We've been here, we've done this specifically last year when he was struggling and everyone had the same song and dance. It was the same song and dance and then he blew up and then prices exploded. And it was happening again this year. And you can go to the career splits page on Baseball Reference. You can click on splits, you can click on career, you can go scroll down to first half, second half, or home or away or whatever you want to do. And you can see the statistics and you can say, wait, this isn't just a one-year example in 2021. This is a full career example where he is a slow starter and he heats up as the summer heats up. And as he gets into the second half, shout out Jimbo. He loves that. Uh, as he gets into the second half, you should expect him to be hitting really well. And now we are here at the end of the first half and his OPS for his 2022 season is only 12 points under his career first half OPS. And his career first half OPS, for those of you that are wondering, is 904. So, like, his bad half of the season is still an all star and is still potentially an MVP type stuff. He currently has a 158 OPS. He's 58% better than the league average hitter, despite his 892 OPS. It's insane. Um, in to, to point out how the game has changed, he had a 949 OPS in his. Second season, I'm trying to get to, trying to get to his stats here. Nine forty nine OPS in his second season as a twenty year old, and a one forty two OPS plus, eight ninety two this year, and a one fifty eight OPS plus. So you can tell how much different the uh, the offensive numbers are across the league just based off of that. Yeah, well, I got a lot of things about all of this. Um, I don't ever like when I see stuff like this on on social media. To me, it's just like I think one people just want to post things to to get clicks or whatever, and then two, it's usually people that aren't diving deep into the stats. But then three, you do gotta put it in perspective. Like you know, the people, I guess the stuff that moves the car, like moves prices with with a player, you know, 
complete like it's it's the average it's the home runs it's stuff like that like you know it, it is what it is you know true baseball people like we we look at other stats like to me Juan Soto I'm looking at his on base percentage and I'm like I'll take that guy all day I don't care about his his uh his average he'll figure that out but his on base percentage is enormous like I'll take that all day but that might not necessarily reflect into the card market um if we like it or not it is what it is but that's why i'm like okay how do we find stuff that will reflect into a good batting average in home run even if i don't like some of the other stats that might you know like that i personally would like as like a gm but in the card world you gotta kind of put that in perspective um but to, to dive even deeper my goodness this kid is still i'm not even gonna get into that part the biggest thing is one shocking that he get he heats up every season when the when the season gets deeper weather i think has a huge factor you know me in that but then two look at the protection in the lineup he has you know nelson cruz great hitter you know career hitter still a solid hitter but you're not scared of nelson cruz when you have juan soto up to bat like you're not you're not like oh you know i have to pitch to juan soto because nelson cruz is be i'll take that chance i'd rather go after nelson cruz than juan soto and if you look at a Josh Bell, Josh Bell has been hitting in the two hole most of the time. Juan Soto in the three hole. Josh Bell is having a, a fantastic year this year. Maybe that's because he he's getting the protection with Juan Soto behind him. Um, who knows about that? But then I pulled up the stats here when when Soto is hitting in the two hole. Uh, most likely Josh Bell is behind is hitting in the three hole, so there's a little little bit of protection there or if Josh Bell's getting a day off. But in the when Juan Soto was hitting the two hole, he's hitting a 264, uh, 12 homers, 12 ribbies. Um, and that's that's with 208 at bats. In the three hole, 90 at bats, he's hitting 200, seven home runs, and 21 ribbies. So I'm looking at that like the protection in the lineup definitely has a factor. Fair. But let me ask you a question. And that's why I don't think he wants to stay at the Nationals. Like he's like, I want to win. I want I want to have a lineup around me. Like I wouldn't let, want to be there. Let me ask you a question because I am a firm believer in lineup protection matters for Josh Bell. Lineup protection doesn't matter as much for Juan Soto because he should be a good enough hitter where if he gets a pitch to hit I'll, like Barry Bonds, he's going to hit. You know, Barry Bonds was amazing. He didn't have anybody. In today's game, who is feared enough outside of Juan Soto where if they're hitting behind him, you'd rather pitch to Juan Soto? So it's not necessarily like – it's it's more of like the depth too. Like if you look at who, who else is on that team besides Josh – or uh, Juan Soto and Josh Bell, that you would be like, I got to pitch. No, uh, you, you're not wrong. There is there, there is not much. I agree. Like I even, agree. If, even if you pitch around Nelson Cruz, at, at, like you got some dude, some rookie name, Hernan Y Hernandez. My phone's not loading. You know, I know he, he's playing well. He's hitting 270. But then you have Cesar Hernandez, Kibir Ruiz, who I like as a catcher, but he's still young, young catcher. You have Mikel Franco. Like my goodness, he's hitting 234. And then you have Thomas in, in center, Lane Thomas, who's hitting 225. Like there is 
if I'm a pitcher, I'm like, dude, Juan Soto, I'll pitch around you. You take your walk. It is what it is. But, you know, I might nibble and Juan Soto might be pressing because he's like, dude, I you got to swing the bat sometimes. But he, I'm I don't know. I I have I haven't watched the Nationals enough to really get that opinion. I just but I just know like if if I was going into this and being in the room with like with pitchers, the pitching coach and like with with the video guys, I know what they're probably thinking. Yeah, of course, they're not going to. Of course, they're not going to pitch them. My point is. Juan Soto is good enough. Juan Soto is good enough that if he gets the Barry Bonds treatment, like Bryce Harper got years ago, where just nobody wanted to pitch to him. If he gets one pitch, he still generally should hit it because he's that good. Yeah. We watched it last year. They got rid of Kyle Schwerber. They got rid of Trey Turner. They didn't have um, Nelson Cruz in the lineup. They had nothing, and he still had 1,000 OPS. I mean, he's got 19 bombs. I mean, it's not like like that's still a lot. <laughs> like, he's... you know, I guess I guess my whole point, my whole point, and again, it's my point, is that we all know that the biggest best hitters in the league are going to get pitched differently than the Cesar Hernandez's of the league. Everyone knows that. Um, but but depending on how good you are, how good of a hitter you are. Sometimes it just doesn't matter, and and you can see it with Juan Soto, protection or not. Would he, if he had more protection, would his stats probably be better? Sure, but I'm just I I just uh, I just don't think personally, and I could be wrong. I just and maybe we should ask Juan Soto one day. I just don't think personally that the protection for Juan Soto specifically as is is as important as it is for Josh Bell. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I'm more of the non-tangible things, too, like in a pitcher's head, knowing you have a, a deep lineup with good hitters, like just the the mindset of that and how it affects – Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to – it's it's a lot easier to go up against the Brewers' offense than it is the Dodgers. Yeah. And you, you kind of have to have a, a bulldog mentality like – I'm just going to throw my pitches no matter who it is. And I'm going to get these guys out. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's still really impressive what Juan Soto's can do with that lineup. Yeah. And, and the fact that like, it, the fact that I like, I'm just in my head at the end of the season, I know things will even himself out because he is a second half hitter usually where like in my head, it's like, Oh, He's doing pretty well for usually struggling struggling in the first half. Nineteen bombs, nineteen bombs tied for fifteenth in the uh, in the MLB for home runs, and his OPS is at eight ninety two. And you know his his on uh, on base percentage is so high. Like I don't know, the average is just the average. But at the end of the day, bringing it back to cards, it is what moves the needle for uh, for card prices. It's true. Um, I I do wonder though if. I wonder if more people are now keying in on OPS. Like if that matters, like, cause, cause like you have a, somebody has a 250 average, 260 average, 270 average. Originally people would say, eh, that's not very good. I want my guy with a 300 average or at least 290, you know? Yeah. But if you look up and you see thousand OPS, 
I'd venture to guess that most people just wouldn't even look over at average at that point. I I mean, I I could be wrong. I speak for myself. I would love to. Maybe we'll throw a survey out. We should. We should. We should see what people think because, like, I I uh, and and obviously it is it is tough to know because. I'm speaking from my personal personal experience, my personal growth as a as a baseball fan. Um, most of the time, if the average is over 300, I say, "Oh, that's nice. That's nice to have." But I'm not too concerned about it. Now, obviously, sometimes it is really nice. Like Luis Arias, he doesn't have a ton of power, um, but he has a three three forty seven average and a four nineteen on base or something like that. Like both those numbers are really nice. But because he doesn't have a ton of power, I do kind of want a high average because that gives him more chances to drive in runs because you just you can't unless bases are loaded, you're not driving in runs with a walk. Yeah. So like if you don't have power, I would rather you have a 347 average and a 419 on base than a 250 average and a 419 on base. So definitely it definitely there are times and places where the average is is definitely an important stat to be paying attention to. Um I think times where it's not is if a dude has like a 900 plus OPS, then it's like he's doing damage. He's doing damage. He's getting on base. Whatever his average is, is whatever his average is. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's one thing I will say. Base is loaded. He's hitting. So he's had seven at bats. So not much, but seven at bats with bases loaded and he's hitting a 143. So. Mm -hmm. That's not good for a guy like Juan Soto because you have to pitch to him. So that kind of throws out my theory. Maybe, I don't know. Unless they're willing to bury Bonds him still. Uh, I'd rather pick around the edges, give him something crap to hit and yeah, and see. But but it's just, it's just you know, and, and don't get me wrong. If you brought up the, if you bring up the protection in the lineup, argument for like a Willie Adamas or something. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. If you bring up the protection and lineup for Ramon Laureano, I'm right there with you. But for a guy like Juan Soto, he's just too good. He's just too stinking good um, for me to worry about his lineup protection because that I, I almost feel like it's doing a discredit to how good of a hitter he is to say, he needs somebody else in the lineup so that he can perform well. Yeah. No, I, I, it's more of like a combined. So here's another, another interesting thing. So I just pulled this up. I'm looking at his splits. He's really struggling against left-handed hitters, which, you know, his, he's always excelled at hitting right-handed hitters and he's hitting 270 with right-handed hitters or no, sorry. I mean, he's always excelled hitting against right-handed pitchers but always struggled hitting left-handed pitchers. Did I say that right? Because my mm-hmm. mind is going fast. But my the he's hitting 270 base right-handed pitchers, and he's hitting a 204 against left-handed pitchers, which 204 against left-handed pitchers, you know, usually there's a little bit of a difference if if you you know do well against, you know, on the splits on that. But last year, to put it in perspective, he hit 280 against left-handed pitchers for the entire year. And then 333 against right-handed pitchers. So that could be maybe he's just that that could be the thing that's he's struggling the most. Yeah. I mean, clearly, clearly it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a dude that has a career 274 batting average 
career 859 OPS against lefties. This year he has a 204 batting average. And uh, do you know what the OPS is? Uh, I do not. It doesn't give me. Does it give you what's the what's the on base and the slugging? 343 and 363. All so, right. So 706. Yeah. Um, so yeah, eight fifty seven oh six OPS against lefties this year compared to an eight fifty nine career. Yeah. There, there's his struggle. Dude, right there. Oh, so okay. This is fun, dude. We haven't had something like this where we dive dive deep more. This is dude, this is when you're sitting in a room and you're like you're in the video room and you're looking at stuff. This is the stuff that's talked about, like in 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 baseball. And it's so much fun because I haven't we haven't I haven't talked like this about a player with someone in forever. This is fun. I like it. And uh now we just need to get Juan Soto on the phone. Say Juan Soto, I'm sure you haven't heard this yet, but you're hitting lefties poorly. Just figure that out, and that 892 OPS will go up to a thousand plus easy peasy. You'd be like, I know, Papi, don't worry about it. He probably he's probably not even worried. He probably those guys do they they know as long as they're at bats, they're at bats are good. Juan Soto was wearing a giant chain of him doing his like little shuffle thing. Yes. On the chain the other day. That is not a guy that is worried about what his statistics are right now because that is a guy that knows he is going to figure it out. And at the end of the year, you're gonna look up and he's gonna have like a 950, 960, 970, 980, 990, or a thousand OPS. Yeah. And hey, guess what? He's 23 years old too. Yeah. Yeah. Lest we forget that he's still four years from entering his prime. You know, they say you enter your prime at 27, leave it at 30. That's mm-hmm. when you're supposed to do your most damage, unless you're Christian Yelich. And uh, and uh, we're still four years away from that. And we're talking about a dude like he, people were talking about a dude like he's suddenly a bum. I, dude. It's great. He's 23 years old. We're, like I'm looking at prospects and stuff down in the minors and I'm like, Oh, 21, 22. That's not, you know, 23. That's, that's still young. Soto has been in the league dominating. Isn't, isn't that crazy? We're talking about Julio Rodriguez being amazing at 21 all season. And he is his 800, his 800 OPS was good, but let's not forget that uh, Juan Soto had a was that the age was that the 2020 season Juan Soto as a 21 year old had 1185 OPS 47 games I get it uh because of the COVID shortened season but still 1185 OPS in his age 21 season and we're in love with Julio Rodriguez for having an 810 OPS or whatever which don't get me wrong I am in love with Julio Rodriguez and his 810 OPS but just put so, it in perspective. It's crazy. Put it in perspective. Yeah, it's insane what Juan Soto's doing, and it's insane that people can praise somebody like Julio with one hand and slap Juan Soto with the other, despite yeah. the fact that he's only two years older and his stats are, you know, significantly better right now. I think that that brings it up where, hey, don't listen to the people on social media. Always do your own research. Um, in Look at the, like credible sources too. Like the thing that I do, like when I when I look at sources for information, I go back and see what they've said in the past about other players, and see if it, it hit or not. You know what I mean? Like looking at oh, in 2020, you know they were talking about these prospects. You know, obviously they're not going to always be right, but kind of look at their report card as well. Or if they're not even a baseball person that like baseball and they're saying random stats like that, 
yeah, I don't, you know, I take it for a grain of salt. Hey, real quick here. Um, looking up, looking up BGS nine, five with 10 auto Bowman Chrome blue, um, start of the season till today. So four, seven till seven fourteen. Now I don't know what the subgrades on this BGS nine, five are, um, but it's dropped 25%. Well, $3,000. Now, if you're like me, you can't buy a Juan Soto Bowman Chrome Blue BGS 95. Jimbo could sell some cards. Jimbo could get that. I, on the other hand, could not, but you can you can definitely you can even go, you could go, you know, instead of a Bowman Chrome Blue, right? Maybe we go just a regular Bowman Chrome auto and see what's on the on the old card ladder here real quick. Um, let's grab let's grab a Bowman Chrome PSA nine. And that price since the start of the season is down forty eight percent. Starting price two thousand seven hundred fifty one dollars. Current price fourteen hundred and twenty seven dollars. After all you've heard about Juan Soto today, Jimbo. Would you say this is a buying opportunity? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, it's anytime I I come across a guy that I like long term and the liquidity of a player like a Juan Soto, you know, that's a huge factor for me is liquidity because I want to move stuff fast. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Juan Soto is always a buy, uh, if, if depending on the price, obviously. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah. All I'm saying is he is 12 points under his career OPS for the first half. You know, if he follows the same trend, he will be a plus thousand OPS guy in the second half. If he follows the same trend, obviously not a guarantee, but he's pretty stinking close right now. And uh, we're talking about a 48% drop. Um, There is, there is, and from the lowest 623, uh, you know, would have been over 50% drop. Uh, 623 as in June 23rd. Um, it's just, it's just, if you are ever waiting to buy a Juan Soto card and it doesn't need to be an auto, now is your time. Now is your time. We're talking about a 23 year old that has put up an OPS 12 points off his career average, is heating up as we speak, is about to be in the home run derby, and uh, probably going to put on a show, probably going to impress some people. I mean, if now's not the time, when is? Yeah. I mean, in July, dude, 11 games in, he's sitting four, 433, five bombs, nine ribbies, 13 walks. His yeah. slugging's at 967. And, and let's let's grab a PSA 10, for example, here, because obviously PSA 9, some people are like, I don't want a PSA 9. I'm not a PSA 9 guy. Um, rate of change. Uh, April 7th to July 14th, 51%, $8,000 to $3,875. Now, some of that obviously, obviously is going to be current market conditions and everything along with those lines. Um, but the blue has dropped, the PSA 10 has dropped base, the PSA 9 has dropped. Um, and not all of that is going to be because of inflation. Some of that is going to be because people are freaking out about Juan Soto, and that makes it for me a good buying opportunity. Yeah. So, 
All right. Um, with that, Jimbo, we're at 51 minutes. Yeah, I got one one quick thing because I always like to bring up at least one prospect because when I'm listening to podcasts myself, I like to I like to know the hidden gems that the the random players people aren't talking about. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. dive deep here on a player that I find interesting. His name is Averson Artega. 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 He plays for the Giants, San Francisco Giants. He is in 2022 Bowman. So the Bowman that was just released, last released. Um, Here's an interesting one. He's aged 19. He's going to be 19 the entire season. He is, uh, if I remember right, he was one of their their biggest international uh, pickups in... I'll, I'll bring that up in a little bit when I get that pulled up. But he's 19 years old. He's in he's in low A with 76 games. He has eight bombs, eight homers. 52. Hey, how do you spell his name? Yeah, his name is is tricky. A E V E R S O N. And then Artega, Artega, A R T E A G A. 19 yeah, years old. Six yeah, even I, I've been keeping an eye on him for a while. I still misspell his name. Um, but I think this one's like a lower, lower sneaky find because he's hitting 273. His K rates at 26%, a little bit high for what I like, but not too worried about it. He's, he's still really young. Uh, that happens with the young kid. Eight home runs, 47 art of ribbies. Uh, six stolen bases. I don't know how many times he got caught. He doesn't show it here. Um, but I think he could be a sneaky, sneaky play uh, to jump on that top 100 for next year. Are you on fan graphs right now? I'm on both fan graphs and uh, MLB. If you, so fan graphs doesn't show the stolen bases, but if you sneak down one to from the dashboard to standard, Mm-hmm. At the very end, it shows stolen bases on the on the on the very end there. Yeah, you're right. So you got caught twice. Yep. But he's got some speed. But I feel like this kid could be like come out of nowhere, kind of like a Marco Luciano for him, um, because I, I've read some things about him, and, and some of the people that I trust, uh, scout wise, have said some pretty nice things about him. Um. Well, let's uh, let's. Talk prices here. So a Bowman Chrome Blue non-auto out of one fifty sold July twelfth twenty dollars. I mean, come on, twenty bucks for a blue. Take that all day long. Refractor seventy two dollars. A uh, Mojo for a dollar eighty nine cents. Sapphire oh, Auto wow. for fifty one. Sapphire Auto for fifty or forty six on July twelfth. Um, a base auto for fifty five on July thirteenth. A green auto best offer $141 on July 13th. So, like, these are not, especially especially the blue um, being $20 on auction. Like, yeah, if you don't want, if you don't have $140 to spend on a green auto, which, you know, to some people it's like $140, that's nothing. To other people, it's like, I could not spend that. I think most of us could probably spend 20 bucks on a blue refractor. Uh, especially on auction. Um, and so for me, it's like, yeah, if there are people that like a dude and I can get one of his more decent cards for $20, I'll take a chance on that. Yeah. 
that's what I do with these these young kids. I wanted to bring them up so we have it on record that we sit, we talk about them early before people start talking about them because I like there's, it. There's a few that I'm like that get that made the top hundred. I'm like I wanted to bring them up, so now I'm gonna start just start shooting them on here so we have them on record and timestamp. <laughs> timestamp past fifty minutes before fifty six minutes. We'll be able to find that. There we go. Um, but yeah, Averson Ortega and and the one thing for me. The amount of names I see and I say oh, I should buy that, and the amount of names I forget that I should buy, wild, wild. So if you're listening to this and you want to make a mental note of that, I would suggest having a notebook with some names and writing it down, um, so that you can look it back up later. A specific notebook too. When another thing I do is on my save searches for um, for eBay, mm-hmm. I put all the players I like and I put you know their name and then Bowman. I like it. That's a way for me to keep track of. And then I just casually look through them all the time and see if they're, if I'm seeing like certain trends with them as well. Nice. All right. Well, Averson Ortega. And again, for those of you that are at home, it is spelled A E V E R S O N Averson. And then Ortega is spelled A R T E A G A. I know when you're hearing it on, podcast it's a lot more difficult to uh you know you you hear that name but you don't know how it's spelled and you're looking it up and it's taken forever to find it because it it it's not spelled like you'd think it would be spelled well jimbo thank you for that averson ortega definitely an interesting name and obviously uh he was one of the picks to click on uh fan graphs back mm-hmm. in february so they usually have a pretty good hit rate of like 30 40 percent on those um, and their picks to click is guys that they think will make the top 100 in 2023. So, you know, if you buy one of every card, you should expect like 30 or 40% of those guys. And Avis and Ortega may be one of them to become a top 100 prospect. Yeah. With that being said, I do think we are done with today's podcast. My little rant about Juan Soto over my love affair with the Mariners and the Orioles over and Jimbo's Averson Ortega. Uh, info into your brain. Uh, anything else, Jimbo? That'll be it. All right. Well, then, thank you everyone for listening to today's Ding Corners, and uh, we will talk to you guys again next Friday. Thank you. Deuces. <laughs>